0: Cast, a podcast desperately hoping it can stay relevant once Yuri on Ice ends. <laughs> My name is Matt, and joining me today, live and in person, is a very special guest, Matt.
1: Woo! Hey, what's going on, everyone?
0: Hey, not, not much. I'm sitting right next to you. This is actually the <laughs> first time that we've ever done a podcast in person, but... Uh, I am home for the holidays, and so we thought we would just do something a little unusual. Um, But anyway, we're going to be going over week 12 of the fall anime season, the last week of the season, uh, covering everything from December 18th to the 24th in sports anime. Um, Obviously, we're posting this a little late because of the holidays, uh, but we're excited to get back into it. So just to start off, we actually recorded our segment on Yuri on Ice uh, about a week ago when the episode initially came out because we wanted to get our thoughts down then and just uh, put out the series review right away. Uh, So we're going to cut ahead or cut back into the past for our Yuri on Ice episode discussion for the final episode of Yuri on Ice, and then we'll uh, jump back into the present tense
1: Right. Yeah. Um. Not only that, this is also the last week of Scorching Ping Pong Girls and Keijo, Sadly, <laughs> um, we will be having reviews coming shortly, so just stay tuned for that. Um. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and play Yuri on Ice. All right. Let's jump back to what nearly one week ago <laughs> from today. So the episode begins back in the hotel room where Yuri is explaining to Victor that they had really only promised to go through with this uh, t- with the Grand Prix until he got the gold medal. He did say at the beginning that he was planning to retire. Victor is broken up about this, but after a little bit of discussion, they at least seem to make s- come to some form of understanding. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, the competition begins... And it begins with JJ, who pulls out a show-stopping performance, as was expected and as was needed by him, mm-hmm. to bring him all the way up to uh, a score over 300 points, which is was nearly impossible considering his previous score. Right. And we continue on with Pitch It, where we discover his dream is to have an ice show, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then his score really isn't important at all. And then uh, we follow up with Yuri, who proclaims to Victor that he wants to make sure Victor understands that his coaching wasn't for nothing. Yeah. And the entire point of this routine is that it ends with Yuri getting such a high score, it actually beats Victor's uh, long program high score. Right. And this... Uh, and this motivates Victor to tr- to look into going back into competitions again, and then we continue on with Chris's routine, who seems a little miffed that Victor is still paying too much attention to Yuri. Then we have Odebeck, who has his performance and he knocks Chris out of third place, and then we end with Yuri's performance, who gives a who gives an amazing performance and just barely beats out Yuri by first. It was something by, like, 0.14 points. Right. I think. Yeah. And this causes him to break down crying. It's vague about what he was crying about, but we may get into that later. And then, finally, at the very end of the series, we have Yuri approach Victor after repl- uh, receiving his silver medal, and... Victor informs him, or comes up, embraces him, bends him down, and tells him to excite him. And then Yuri responds by asking him to continue training him so he can actually get his first place medal, his gold medal. And then Victor responds, Well, okay, but I'm not going to just keep training you just for after a year. Because Yuri says he just wants to do it for another year. Mm -hmm. But Victor uh, says... Look, I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna be your coach for just a year. You have to you have to get as good as I am. Right. If you're gonna do that. And but that's gonna be tricky too, with my competition, so you have to essentially beat my record of five gold medals at the Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. And then the series ends with a credit montage of Victor and Yuri skating together and a couple skate, and then there's some vague hinting at a second season. And that's pretty much where the series ends. Yep. Um, if you couldn't tell by my lack of enthusiasm for this ending, I was not
0: big on this ending. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. It wasn't objectively bad right. by any stretch. Uh, it was, the, the episode was well animated. I thought the routines were great. Oh, absolutely! Um, the routines told a great story. Everyone's narrative sort of had a little more weight to it. It felt like you could understand why they were performing the way they were. It all seemed uh, justified. You know, the the, right. the the people who did well, the people who didn't well. It, the the show justified it and animated it beautifully. Um, the the issue I had, I guess, was just that. In the first ten episodes of this show, there was always something to be excited about. And there didn't seem like there was that much to be that excited about in the last episode. um, Because the... It seemed like the, the language at the end was all still very, very vague. Right. And this is my problem with how they've been
1: keeping the language vague about the nature of Yuri and Victor's relationship. A lot of the drama with Yuri breaking off Victor as his coach is the implication that the two of them can no longer be together. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. If these two are are a couple, as the series has been implying all this time, why is that such a big deal to the two of them? Like, this... I understand that Victor may be disappointed that Yuri no longer wishes to continue his routines, but if these two are a couple, that doesn't mean it's the end for them,
0: right? I mean, the the, but, way, the and way I feel that, like it, sorry, go ahead.
1: I just and I feel like a lot of the weight of the drama relies on the fact that these are two people who are splitting up or are having a complete breakup. But if the series is refusing to acknowledge the fact that they're a couple, then this doesn't work.
0: Yeah, so the, the way you defend that is by saying that the show uses the language of ice skating as a proxy for the relationship language. So when they, you know, they... The show would say that it made it very clear in the, the symbolic engagement scene that when they commit to be a ice skating partnership that that is a sub that is substitute language for committing to be in a relationship that doesn't necessarily justify the fact that they refuse to acknowledge the actuality of their relationship on the face but the show is at least consistent in using substitute language right and
1: i do understand that i i totally get that that's what they're going for here but it seems pretty well accepted by fans that, yeah, these two are definitely in a relationship. There's, there's basically no arguing that at this point. And I guess that's why, why that doesn't work for me in that regard, is that, yeah, it's using that substitute language, but why is it even bothering with this substitute language now?
0: Yeah, if they're going to be as explicit as they seem to be, right. what's the point? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it might have to do with the fact that it became probably increasingly clear to the creative staff that they were going to be getting a second season. Perhaps. Um, so there was less pressure to have, you know, a dramatic conclusion. And there was more pressure to have uh, to just to create something that would set up for the future.
1: Right. And I guess I can see where you're coming from there because this ending felt very rushed. Like actually more rushed than I think either of you were either you or me were really expecting. Yeah. Because the final conversation between the two of them for a series that's known for its for its pomp and circumstance this was about the most boring way they could have resolved the pairing of these two characters.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the the conflict in, you know, the very end of the last episode and this one, right? The conflict is Yuri says he wants to retire and not have Victor coach him anymore. Right. And then they they decide, "Well, we'll talk about this after the Grand Prix." You know, big falling out. I was like, "Well, we'll talk about this later." And right. then they're quiet, and then he skates, and he does very well, and they say, actually, never mind. <laughs> like, that's that's the limit of the drama.
1: You know, okay. is,
0: is actually so, never
1: mind. There is one thing I really like about this, and this is where the strength of its core sports story comes from, because there is a great story in there with how Yuri performs his final routine, because what I really love about this story is that it brings it right back to the beginning of the series. Which is how Victor... It, it fully addresses the fact that the reason why Victor is no longer competing is because he was this brilliant chap uh, champion who got bored and had nothing more to work towards. Right. He himself even stated that towards the beginning of the series he was no longer able to surprise anybody anymore. And that was a lot of the appeal to figure skating to him. Now we have Yuri who manages to dance or to perform such a beautiful and amazing routine that it manages to beat his high, his world record, Victor's world record for a long routine, just for a pure score on that. So that actually get, uh, what Yuri was attempting to do there was give Victor a reason to go back into figure skating. And I absolutely adore that, and I love the idea that this series was entirely about Yuri trying to reignite the passion of his mentor.
0: Yeah, but it feels a little retroactive, because, you know, it doesn't, that would be a nice narrative if there was enough in earlier episodes to earn that. I think it was always there on the in the background. I think the series would be
1: a really interesting rewatch for us down the line. I that's not something that's going to happen anytime soon. Sure. But uh, I it would be interesting to go back and watch the series to see where it hints at Victor's issues. One of the big problems that the series had though was that it kept focusing on all these other characters, when really the, fo- the focus... We needed to get to that point that yeah. we got to in this
0: episode. Right. With I mean, Victor like, and Yuri. How many minutes did they spend on Odebeck, and who is talking about Odebeck?
1: And It's like, even with the amount of time that they spent on Odebeck... I mean, his routine was the one I cared the least about in this episode. Yeah, and the show cared and, the least about it, yeah. And, I mean, honestly, they could have used that time to spend more time, you know, delving more into the Yuri and Victor relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Same for Pitchett.
1: Uh, yeah, same for Pitchett. Because it's like, a lot of these characters, we have to watch so much of their routine. Ultimately, though, it doesn't really matter because they're not really giving anybody a run for their money. Right. Like... Okay, great. Odebeck beats out Chris in the end, but that yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean, that doesn't change the fact that he's not anywhere close to AJ to JJ or Yuri towards the end. Really, the only other uh, skating routine that matters for us to see is Yuri's. Right. At the very end, it's like all these other characters we didn't really need to see as much as we did.
0: Yeah. What did What did you think of after Yuri's performance? That one, once again. Victor sort of separates and goes to see, goes to talk to Yurio first. And, like, yeah. Yuri's looking for him and he doesn't know where he is because Victor's gone off to go talk to Yurio. The way I actually interpreted that was that, because
1: Victor, or, yeah, Victor gives Yurio a very strong hug and, you know, thanks him for everything. It was largely Yurio's passion and what drove Yuri to keep pushing himself and if it wasn't for that, then Victor wouldn't have this passion for skating and this desire to better himself again. Uh, you know, he wouldn't have that without Yurio, essentially. Now, my problem with that, you know, for a series that was called Yuri on Ice and was based around the notion that we had these two figure yeah. skaters that were named Yuri, Yurio really
0: didn't do a lot in this series. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, the issue for me is that we have yurio ending up as the grand prix champion and you see he's very emotional about it and there's some you know commentary with his grandfather but you still don't really understand yuria's situation you don't really know much about his history you don't you know there's some vague allusions to it but you don't i don't feel like i understand Uh, his emotional journey, or what made him develop a new routine with a new feel that's all his own. Like, I don't know where any of that came from. Right, and that's really the problem,
1: is that... Because, again, with all the other characters that we spend the time with in the series, you know, we spend most of it on Yurio, and... With all the time he spent on him, we still don't really know anything about him beyond how he was able to push Yuri, in, in to push him and inspire mm-hmm. Yuri.
0: Yeah, and a lot of Yurio thinking to himself how he refuses to lose to Yuri because of reasons, you know?
1: yeah. Well, I think the idea behind that was that Yurio was jealous of Yuri because he drew Victor's attention away from him. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I get, let's face it, like most of the characters
0: in this series. Exactly. That's the exact same synopsis for why Chris doesn't like him, you know? Yeah. Um, and
1: that's that's kind of the problem there. Um, again, Again, there's a lot that's really interesting to decipher from that. Mm-hmm. But it just, they didn't, really bring it together here at the end yeah um and then i just want to briefly touch upon the fact that the ending was just the two of them speaking briefly and so what i would have really loved to see is i really feel like victor should have become yuri's new rival If that was the the story that they were going for, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I love the fact that Yuri re inspired Victor, yeah. But what I really don't like is that the series refused to make a decision between letting Victor uh, between letting Victor be go back to competitions or if he wanted to still remain retired, like maybe. Yuri's performance yeah. in Yuri's continued career made him want to think...
0: Yeah. No, they're just I wanna... like, he'll do both.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's like... And you know what? You can even do... Make the decision to do both interesting. I don't want to get into too many spoilers here for a completely unrelated series. In Fullmetal Panic, they do something very interesting with that. Uh, with Sosuke's character. And that. And I... You know, I love it in that. But in here... There was no build-up to it, this whole thing where it's like, where Victor decides, these are both very important to me, I would like to try and focus on both of them. No, it's just sort of, oh, okay, well then I'll just do both. And that's it. There's not even, like, any sort of dramatic, there's no even, like, drama to
0: this. Yeah, I mean, it felt like the easiest choice. You know, the the show made the easiest choice. Well, you know, is Victor going to have to make a choice? No. He's not. He's going to do everything that everyone loves. You know... Ah,
1: ah. And, you know, I... I, Again, I think that there's something interesting you can do with that, with the fact that he has to struggle. It's like, okay, now he's really put a lot of pressure on himself. The way the series presents They're not communicating
0: struggle. They're communicating that this is fun and breezy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem.
0: Yeah. The, uh... I, I don't want to be too hard on this show because I liked most of it. But I just yeah. feel I feel like it had an opportunity to be interesting and it chose the safest route.
1: Yeah, and that's really the major problem. Because, you know, the the first nine or so episodes... I say ten. Okay, ten, that's fair. But, you know, we were really into this series. Yeah. And it's, it's really a shame to see it kind of go down this way because I feel like if they had gotten that 24 episode, uh, episode count, this could have been a classic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it still will probably go down as one amongst, you know, fans and amongst its fandom, but I don't know. I feel like it's, j- this ending left it missing just a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was a lot less than it could have been. Um, yeah. Which... It's unfortunate. I I did ap- appreciate the fact that JJ still meddled though because he's the best character.
1: <laughs> yeah, he at least got the bronze. Yeah,
0: I like I liked seeing an him, and I
1: like the fact JJ. that literally, if he hadn't just broken down in that very first match, that he
0: probably still would have taken the gold. Sure, um, but I think that was healthy for his development, and especially if we get a second season, it'll be right. interesting to see where JJ lands. I'm not particularly interested in Yuri anymore, but I'm very <laughs> interested to see how they You just want to start up Langer. a new series called JJ on Ice? I think that would be a suitable spin-off. Yeah, that's and I am clearly the only target audience for that. <laughs> uh, yo, I am totally down with that, man. All right. Well, we'll just have to to pitch it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, on that awful note, do you want to go back to the future?
1: Sure thing. You want to move on to March Comes
0: In Like a Lion? Yes, I do. Alright, and we are back in the present uh, to discuss March Comes In Like a Lion. So this was episode 11. Uh, One thing I wanted to say up front, we sort of complained earlier this season about March Comes In Like a Lion missing a random week. If you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I realized why that was now, finally. Um, I probably should have realized earlier, but... So this was episode eleven. They ordered a total of twenty-two episodes. Oh, so the goal all along was to have eleven episode seasons with a break in the middle because they had a break after I think episode five. Oh, okay. Um, just probably to facilitate the production schedule. So actually, that was a planned break, and that's why we didn't see a quality drop off after. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's just an interesting note. I thought I would bring it up. Um. All right, so episode 11, it's the end of the Shogi season. It's also the end of the year, and Ray uh, gets sick. He comes down with a fever, and he just kind of holes up in his apartment and doesn't really interact with the outside world. He stops eating. He stops taking medicine. He just sleeps, and he has this recurring dream about going up an escalator and then being stuck at the top with no way down. Um... Eventually, though, he hears a knocking on his door, and it's Momo, and it's Momo, and it's her sisters, and they all uh, force him to get out of bed and come over to their house to recover and, you know, eat food and <laughs> take medicine and basically take care of himself. Um, he, the, the rest of the episode just sort of focuses on him spending time with the sisters, uh, and he, he talks with the... Uh, them about the, the postcards they got a bunch of them get new year's postcards ray is pleasantly surprised that two people sent him postcards <laughs> it was nikaido and the chairman of the shogi association both sent him postcards and he was delighted that somebody actually cared to do so um he also realized that uh while he was sick his adoptive father koda had been very worried about him uh, and had been trying to get connected with him And so Ray actually called him back and realized that Coda had been scared. And, you know, Ray sort of had this moment where he noticed that people around him actually cared about him and worried about him, where he was so convinced that he was completely on his own. Um, And by the end of the episode, he realizes a lot of the reason that he feels so comfortable being taken care of in Akari's house is because it reminds him of his childhood home with his biological parents and that it reminds him of the the sense of that family that he sort of lost after he got adopted right
1: this was kind of it's not a bad episode It, it really wasn't there wasn't a like i feel like every episode of march comes in like a lion has something of a of a certain meaning to it, of a certain point it's trying to get at. And I guess with this one, I kind of struggled to see where the overall goal of the episode was going. I guess the whole idea was that Ray is starting to accept the fact now that people do seem to care about him, which I guess is a nice way to end this first half of the season. It's a little bit lighter than I
0: was, of a direction that I was kind of anticipating the series go in. Yeah, I agree. Um, I... I think it was a lot uh, about loneliness. So right. it was it was painting the the beginning of the episode was painting a picture of Ray's tendency towards isolation, and the rest of the episode showed a lot of different ways of of dealing with it. Um, I thought the most interesting was uh, the the picture with Akari, how she was also very like. She expressed that she was right. lonely herself, and that she was so grateful that Ray was with them for New Year's because otherwise, you know, her grand her grandpa and her siblings would have just gone to bed, and she'd be up by herself on New Year's crying. Right. Uh, and so she needed him, and he needed her. And there was it was it was clear that he wasn't the only one who was lonely. He wasn't the only one who was having a tough time. And um. He, he had a couple interesting lines early on in the episode after he got pulled out of his apartment. He said that his thoughts had been spinning, but all in all those thoughts, he was only thinking about himself. Right. Uh, and so I, I thought it was interesting that he started to realize that a lot of his his thinking was so self-focused that he didn't realize any of the other challenges other people were going through, and that's sort of forcing him to be a little more empathetic. Because he's been through this really tough time, he can actually see the tough things that other people are going through, and he can feel a little less alone because of it. I guess that's fair. See, the way
1: i kind of taken that as well, and I don't think it goes against what you're saying here at all, just this was kind of my interpretation of it, was that... Ray was also starting to see that he has use beyond shogi. Mm. Uh, like again, what you were talking about, I had noted that too about how she had talked, how Akari had talked about how she was going to be lonely this this New Year's, and you know, Ray just gave her company. Like this is the first time that in that we've seen in the entire series when anybody has even expressed any sort of need or use of Ray beyond just, you know, he plays shogi well. And this was the first time Ray was seeing, maybe my life has some sort of meaning beyond just playing this game. Like, maybe that's not all it is. And I did kind of think it was kind of brought around there at the end when he starts viewing this place as, he's starting to view this house as his home now. I thought that it was really interesting. There was an image there. It was a very subtle one, but he mentions like, oh, wow, this light string is like really far down so I don't have to like stand up and, pu- and like to turn off the light. And it was just one of those, you know, they put him in this room, I think specifically so he could do that because he could lay down and sleep. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that because it shows that they're thinking, that they're, it's, this isn't, like, you compare this to his own apartment, where it's just this very functional, sterile place, whereas, you know, they're they're thinking of him at at this minute of a level.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're thinking of him like they would think of family, right. basically. And that comes across just because of the way the environment feels. And you can see it in the way that the art is managed for the show, and that right. when he's in his apartment, the coloring is so dark and muted, and there's heavy shadows, but when he's there, the tone totally changes visually, so it's, you know, it reflects both the actual design of the home, but also his emotional uh, makeup when, when he goes to this place. You said something there that was
1: kind of interesting, too, which is the fact that he's starting to become accepted as part of this family. There was one thing that happened in this episode where the aunt comes to visit, right? and she's giving out—she's doling out New Year's allowances, which I know is a thing in Japan where sort of the head of the household gives money to— Sort of for the uh, for the rest of the family to use as they see fit, and the fact that the aunt even thought of Ray during this is like, oh, here's your new. I thought I'd give you. It's not much, but here you go. Here's a New Year's allowance, and Ray kind of is just like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Like I was not anticipating this.
0: Yeah, the uh, I I do want to briefly discuss with uh, the aunt because she she also had some interesting expansion on the character of Akari. Right. Uh, because, so Akari actually works at her aunt's bar. Right, at... that's where our confusion came from in that first
1: couple episodes. Right. Uh, when we were confused about how, like, is this girl their aunt or something like that? It's like, uh, no, she's working in the aunt's bar.
0: Right. And and it also clarifies sort of what Akari does. Uh, right. Because we, we had a sense to sort of, we, we didn't know how legit her profession was right you know we didn't we didn't know if it was something a little shameful or not, right. not so much and it seems like she she works there sort of as a waitress hostess um also just there as a generally attractive woman to right. draw in clientele but there's not any sort of a criminal comment connotation right. which we extended as a possibility um but you know, now knowing the character of Akari, I don't think that yeah. it, it would really make any sense, right? So that w- it was good to get some of that cleared up
1: too. Um, I will say because I always was under the impression that this was a hostess bar, of course, which I kind of as I had a feeling what hostess bars have kind of a shady level of right.
0: legality. Yeah, there's degrees. There's
1: degrees, and, a pa- and then, as we kind of expected, the ho- her hostess bar is a little... It- it's on the, the up-and-up level. Exactly. Uh, I The aunt said something interesting as well about Akari during this. It's like, I think it was the grandfather who was talking to her about it. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, I don't like the way how you have Akari working your bar. Like, it's not... It's like, it's not right. You're, you're forcing this upon her. And she's like, look, Akari has to play the mother to these girls all the time. The t- her working at the bar, it's the only time she has to not be a mother or having to be this gentle soul yeah. uh, to these girls. Like this is the first time, you know. She even mentions like you know it lets her go out on the to- town and
0: effectively have a date. Exactly. You know how 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 long do you want to keep her here pretending to be the mother to her own sisters? Right. Um, so I, I thought it was it was good. It was a perfectly pleasant episode. I think it ended. Uh, the first half of the show on a simple note, on a positive note, and it really just sets the ground for them to be able to do start from scratch, almost on some level, and start with their all their options wide open uh, for next season. Right. Um, so, do you want to do you want to move on to All Out? Oh yeah, sure, I got this.
1: Okay, so this episode begins. We learn that. Uh... Good old uh, Kanagawa is in practice with uh, Keijo again. They're they're not quite doing a practice game, at least not at the beginning. They're just having a joint practice together, and they're learning from one another. And one of the major things is that Gion expresses his intent, no, I want to start as a flanker now. Like, this is his progression. And one of the major things is that we learn how the scrum works. And Gion... He kind of bugs uh, Keijo to teach him how to do it, and uh, his team is like, hey guys, sorry, can you do this? He's new, he needs to learn how to do this. And one of the things that Gion learns is that he's awful at scrums. Uh, partially because he's kind of short and he can't really get in there, and he can't really push again- Because part of that is having the joint team together pressing against each other, and he can't really do that. Uh, but they te- they practice around for a little bit, and then they decide to do a practice game, but it's a little bit mixed up, where they actually mix together the players of Keijo onto the same team as uh, Kanagawa and vice versa. And one of the one of the interesting things during this game, I'm not going to go by like a play-by-play, but one of the major interesting things that happens during this game is that Iwashimizu uh, actually tells one of his teammates on against Sekizan, tells them essentially to, uh, hey, he has this really bad habit where he only tosses when he's getting tackled, and it should, basically the scene shows that Iwashi Mizu can actually play about as dirty as anybody else it, when kind of when push comes to shove. Uh, and then Gion finally gets to start during uh, finally gets to play during this game after the coach sees Gion intently taking notes. And uh, what Gion learns is we get we a lot of sports series have this whole notion of the bad player but with a very specific and interesting niche and we learn what Gion's is which is he always chases after whoever has the ball, <laughs> which you know it's apparently this is not something that the flanker generally does. He's generally playing defense, but because of his conversation with Sekizan or uh, Sakito, uh, he like no, I have to do I have to chase everybody, or he, the flanker has to do everything, so that's what I'm going to do. Right, and he finds he's very effective, at, and he learns to tackle the torsos.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: pretty much where it ends. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um I I enjoyed this this episode overall. I thought it showed a little bit of development for Gion. There wasn't a ton of meat yeah. to it. Um so I'll just go through some some random things I liked. One, I thought it was funny that so G- they they spend some time going over the fact that Gion is it's hard to shake him when he's trying to tackle you right because he doesn't look at your upper body so and he doesn't look at your legs so it's harder to throw him off right it's harder to faint one way and then go the other which obviously is a common common tactic in any of these sports um, but because it's the torso is the most difficult part of your body to move rapidly or to adjust rapidly, uh, he doesn't get thrown off as quick, right? Um, and so that that was funny. The the and it was interesting because everyone said, "Oh wow, what a what a great strategy!" He's learning fast, but when they ask Gielan why he was doing it, he's like, ah, "I'm tired of people tackling tack like, excuse me, I'm tired of tackling people in the legs <laughs> because they end up kicking me and it hurts." <laughs> so he doesn't actually know why he's doing the right thing, right? Fight, um, but he he is definitely getting getting a little better. It was funny with everyone criticizing him for not knowing how to play his own position. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if that will... Almost inevitably, it'll come back of playing a non-traditional flanker role will be for the best. Right. Because he'll learn to put extra pressure on the other team or whatever. Um, but in this episode, mostly it just pissed off his teammates. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, but I also like that too because it plays... It's almost interesting because the first couple episodes try and set up the series as very being a very basic cookie cutter sport series and where they're going through the motions we kind of assume that Gion's big technique is like oh you know because he's so short you know this plays into his advantage he's able to go for the legs Turns out not really that useful of a technique yeah. for him and this is turning it around it's like okay, that was the first step to where he can finally learn how to do to learn his. You know, big technique, and it's going through a process now where we're starting to see him improve gradually, and we see we kind of see the steps of how his low tackle has kind of evolved Mm -hmm. into this sort of midriff tackle. In fact, I like the fact that Sekizan even brings up the fact, like, you know, whatever happened to tackling the legs? Like,
0: exactly.
1: It's kind of addressing. It's like, yeah, that was supposed to be his ultimate technique, Mm, not really though.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's more that he's learning technique and he's he's learning how to play his own way. Right. So I like that. Um, the other the other thing I like is I think possibly my favorite character at this point is Abumi. Oh yeah. Um because he was he was very upset at the beginning of the match because he had the last time they played Keijo, you know, Sekizan didn't let him come in the game because right. he was skipping practice. So this time he promised vengeance. Um and he managed to do so pretty early uh, when Matsu, Matsu uh, went for a kick. He was getting pressured, so he just punted the ball uh, over Miyuki, and uh, Ibumi sprinted out of nowhere right. as is his one right. and managed to outpace everyone on Keito <laughs> and uh, get a try. And yeah. so that, it was what, what I like about Ibumi is that he's basically framed as this almost demonic character who uh, comes sprinting in. He terrifies his opponents. Um, he's really physically overmatches them and outruns them. And it's just fun to watch. There's not a lot of depth there, but it's fun to watch. It,
1: it, he reminds me a lot of Hiruma from Shield 21, who was, I mean, in a series of uh, great characters, he was sort of the star of all mm-hmm. of those. And I'm glad to see another football less series... Uh, kind of embrace the sort of evil demonic character type. Well, they
0: have the same haircut. Oh, that is true too. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, so that is it, it. Was overall it was a perfectly pleasant way to end the the first half of this show. Right. Um. It was good to see Keijo, again. You sort of build up the the characterization of right. that that team, so you get a little more depth to it when you get to actually see them in competition. Right. Um, uh, one thing I did want to point out just super briefly here is uh, what happened at the beginning of the
1: episode with the scrum. This is another thing oh, I appreciated yeah. which was I really enjoyed the fact that when they were done with it everybody was like wow Gion, you're terrible at this. Yeah. Like a lot of sports series when you know it's when they get that introduction to that new aspect of the game and they do it for the first time there's always this sort of thing about you did fine you know this was your first try or you know this was your first time and it's like you know you you know kind of what you're doing here. I appreciate the fact that they just laid it out for him. It's like, dude, you suck
0: at this. Well, yeah. I mean, the the characters consistently don't mince words, and they're right. not they're not nice to each other out of some sense of that's what you're supposed to do. Um, the other way it could have gone that a lot of sports series go is Guillaume secretly is the best. Yeah, you know. like he discovers something during that scrum where he's like.
1: Oh, this is what I do. It's like, or this is... Maybe I'll try this. And everyone's like, what?
0: Exactly, yeah. So he did... Thankfully, he didn't have a secret technique. He was just like literally anyone would be doing something weird and new for the first time. <laughs> confused and ineffective. Right. Um, so I, I like the fact that this is still based in reality. Yeah. Um, um, so if we can move on to something that is decidedly not based in reality, <laughs> Tiger Mask. Um, all right, so Tiger Mask W episode 12 otherwise known as Tiger versus Tiger. Um, it... <laughs> <laughs> it begins with, uh, Tiger Mask working on his killer move still. So he, he's at the New Japan Pro Wrestling Gym, um, working himself to the bone, uh, the day of his final match, you know, like the pros do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exhausting himself up down to the last minute, um... <clears throat> And he trains with Tanahashi, who also has a match that day. And he dislocates Tanahashi's <laughs> shoulder. Uh, so he injures his training partner, and then they, uh, Tanahashi says, it's it's fine, it's all to, to build you up. For some reason, he cares more about Tiger Mask than himself. Um, they actually get into the match itself with Tanahashi and Yellow Devil. And Tanahashi... <laughs> who, again, recently dislocated his shoulder, decides to use a move where he jumps and lands on his shoulder, (laughs) and he injures himself, and then Yellow Devil tries to break his back, uh, and almost does, but Ryu throws in the towel, and then Tanahashi yells at Ryu for forcing him to give up (laughs) when he was about to be murdered. Um, Then it it goes over to Tiger Mask's match against Tiger the Dark, uh, and the it there's there's a lot of back and forth um tiger mask tries to do his killer move but he messes up and tiger of the dark al- almost um basically like breaks something he, he puts t- tiger mask in a hold and he almost knocks him out um but right at that moment takuma aka tiger of the dark's father daisuke shows up right right by the <laughs> ring and he starts cheering for tiger mask and this totally throws off takuma because his own father is cheering against him uh and so the tiger mask is able to do his uh original killer move for the first time he does he, he runs into Tiger of the Dark, he does a somersault kick, and then he jumps up and lands back down and drops his knee on Tiger of the Dark's face. Um, and Tiger of the Dark tries to recover, but he's bleeding into his eyes. Yeah! Um, because his face scar gets reopened, um, and then Tiger Mask basically does a pile driver and KOs him. And that's, that's, that's where the episode ends.
1: Okay, so... There's a line that really sums up this episode to me. Really a line and a reaction. Which is, at one point during this match, Daisuke is talking to his nurse. And he's like, yeah, this is a battle of wills. And I'm just sitting there thinking, hmm, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Uh, they... Our description does not really show how very blah... There is no intensity to this animation that it really... That, this match probably should have warranted. There's also no real setup between of the dynamic between Tiger the Dark and Tiger Mask before this. We know that they ha- share, you know, masks or like similar masks, but they no. they uh they've barely had any interactions before this. We kind of have a vague idea of their philosophies,
0: but right. I mean, that's the thing is that these these two characters are friends who don't know that they're fighting one another. Right. And that's never brought up or even alluded to in any way. Um, they both just think the other guy is in the way of them fighting Yellow Devil. Right, right? And so really, there's there's no thematic meat of any kind. Right. And, yeah, so- somehow, despite all the, the action in the match, it is deeply uninteresting um they try to cram too much in the episode by having this other terrible fight with yellow devil and a bunch of other random stuff and random explanations so they don't give the fight the time it deserves i mean it's they call the the episode tiger versus tiger but it's only about the last quarter of the episode where they actually have this match
1: yeah um you, I got I had until you had mentioned it. I had entirely forgotten about the doubles match uh, between uh, with uh, Rainmaker and Ryu versus no, it was Poseidon. And oh, Ryu. Poseidon and Ryu. My bad. My bad.
0: Yeah. Uh, Which, what did that accomplish? It,
1: it wasn't anything. The two started fighting in the ring, and that was it. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I can think of is is Rainmaker's or. Are, are, uh, but is Poseidon a real wrestler? I'm, I have no. a feeling... Oh, no, he's not. Never mind, then I don't know what the point of this was. Yeah. The only thing I could think of is that they're trying to address some sort of rival... It's maybe, like, some sort of
0: in-joke, but no, if they're both, uh... Made up. If they're both made up, then who cares? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ryu and who cares, I like how much he showed up. You know, <laughs> he just walking around as Dragon Young, so he ended up being the corner man for Tanahashi and right. for Tiger Mask. For some reason, in type... So, in, in Tanahashi's match ryu threw in the towel and to the match like a responsible adult right uh, and of course was immediately criticized for it of course uh, and like why didn't you let him break my back um but then ryu volunteers again to be tiger masks corner man and tiger mask turns to him and he says don't throw in the towel <laughs> <laughs> and ryu's like okay Exactly. It's like, well, I mean, if you're gonna die, I'm gonna throw but no, he just says, Okay, whatever you say. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what the point of any of that was. I,
1: I think the point for Tanahashi, because Tanahashi is a real wrestler. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the reason why they had him practice with Tiger Mask was to give him an excuse for why he lost to Yellow Devil.
0: Oh, because he would he wouldn't have lost if he was Yeah,
1: there. exactly, because you'll notice because he hits him with like a sling blade, and that's the first time you've ever seen any damage done against Yellow Devil. Oh, yeah. So this is all to establish like no Tanahashi is a real, like, man's man. You know, he's he's really this amazing wrestler. The only reason he lost, though, was because he was being honorable to Tiger Mask and helping him practice. And, you know, but honorable men also don't give up, even when they're about to be ripped in half. Yeah. So, the only reason he even uh, lost without having any real damage to him was because Ryu was a coward
0: and he threw in the towel for him. Yeah. Re- you know, everybody just... It,
1: this they, is they... all basically to... To say about no 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 Tanahashi
0: Ta- awesome guys don't don't take this as anything. Yeah, but they they still had to find a way to set up the final match being Yellow Devil and Tiger. Mask. Right. Yeah, so that's I, I don't there was really surprisingly little that went on in this right. episode. Uh, the preview for episode thirteen looked pretty good. Uh, the animation looked like a little like it took a little step up. Right. So hopefully, you know, the, the Yellow Devil fight will earn the hype I mean, insofar as there's any hype for this right. show but we will we will see this has been a real disappointment i was hoping it was going to be campy fun and it's just kind of blah yeah there's there's not much to it um so speaking of disappointments <laughs> i'm to discuss uh the final episode, episode of scorching ping pong girls yeah sure let's do it though it's not as disappointing as it see as it sounds so,
1: we're at the free pa- practice. Uh, we kind of begin with uh, Tenka and Hoku- uh, Hokuto. Uh, they realize, hey, you know what? We were the only ones who actually lost our matches. Maybe we should try and work on improving ourselves. And uh, Hokuto decides, okay, I'm, I'm going to work on my serves. I'm going to work on the accuracy of my serves because they're good, but they're not good enough. And Tenka decides, okay, I need to work on my basics because I get uh, kind of tangled up in my footwork. Uh, and then we, uh, have a conversation between Koyori and Agari, and Agari realizes, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't be focusing on my smashes so much, and, uh, Koyori's like, no, you need to, because you love doing them. And so they decide to work, and Agari kind of doesn't want to worry about it too much, but Koyori convinces her, and they begin this practice where Agari has to sit on on Koyori's shoulders, I didn't really quite get that. Uh, there's actually kind of a nice conversation, uh, where Kirika is helping out her teammates, she's helping out her juniors, and, uh, she has this conversation with Mune Mune, and Mune is like, hey, you know, like, shouldn't we be practicing a little bit more just for ourselves? And Kirika's like, look, you know, winning in ter- tournaments is important, but we also have to think about the future of the club, like... You know, we want to get more people into ping pong. Like this is a this is an appreciation club. We need to actually be worrying about building up our, uh, building up the rest of our club. And then it's uh, so then we get kind of a montage of training for the rest of the time. Everybody's having fun training. Uh, and then on the very final night, uh, Agari and Koyori sneak out to go back to the gym in order to you know get some last minute training in. And they discover that some of the first years are there doing... Uh, they're actually there practicing themselves because they're like, hey, we've gotten a lot better and, you know, we wanted to keep trying. We didn't want to let the practice end. And then slowly throughout... And uh, they ask uh, Agari and Koyori to help train them a little bit. And then throughout slowly throughout this night, we see more and more characters show up and apparently everybody just wants to play ping pong with one another. And they all and they start start up a tournament. Eventually, Kirika and Mune Mune show up, and hey, you know, and they're like, hey, we want to join this tournament too. The very final match ends up between Agari and Koyori, uh, and I don't remember who wins. I think it was Agari who won because she manages to perfect her smash there. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> then we have kind of this little montage of the girls traveling home in a bus and everybody's sleeping and exhausted. Agari kind of reflects on everything that's happened up till now. And then we get a flash forward to the fi- to the, uh, to the national tournament where Koyori is playing against this sort of faceless figure and everybody's rooting for her and Agar or Koyori has this amazing
0: hit. And then the series ends. Right. Um, so there, the, the episode was not, as bad as some. Right. But by no means was it good. I'm just going to start with the end. Um, So the, the very last scene shows, like you said, a flash forward to the national tournament. And the girl that... Koyori is facing is the the same one that had the big upset at the very beginning of the first episode.
1: Right, I
0: I thought that might have been the case. Yeah, and so it's showing you know them coming back and Koyori is supposed to be playing presumably in the national finals. Uh, this this figure, which I didn't totally understand why they would have that much of a spoiler that right. literally Koyori is going to be playing for the national championship. And they're and they're establishing that now before they've even started the tournament. Right. Um, so that was a little disappointing.
1: Yeah, I don't because honestly this felt a, compared to everything else that hap, to everything else that has sort of ended that we know isn't getting an immediate second season, this was the se- this episode actually felt the most final of them. I guess even though that you know we've already seen that they're trying to establish more going on, because otherwise, what was the point of that cold opening in the very first episode, establishing this the, the fall of this great uh, ping-pong school due to this weird outsider that came in? Yeah. Uh, so, I guess the way the series, it, it kind of ends the way it began, except this, this sort of nameless figure is beaten,
0: possibly? Yeah. I don't know. I mean... It, it for to me it felt like the show was trying to create interest at the last minute, right. so that the fans would expect a sequel. Right. Uh, because there is absolutely there are no more episodes of this show guaranteed. Right. So they need to drive up some hype so that everybody can see this this great match with Koyori that was promised at the end. Um. So for me it felt a little cynical. Right.
1: Uh, we did, I guess, get that little setup of uh, Kumami's team as well there. So right. I guess maybe that that's probably the case. Um, there was there were a couple things I liked in this episode, though. Go ahead. Uh, because I do, I kind of alluded to this, I did like the conversation that Kirika and Mune Mune had about, because one of a recurring issue with a lot of sports series is is that they try and establish this whole din- like, everything is for this final tournament, and the only worthwhile players end up being, like, the main cast. And, and then we're supposed to believe that the next season, like, there's this implication, like, oh, then that next year they get new and. In- new amazing players, and they go on to keep, like, winning tournaments and stuff like that. I kind of, li- I appreciate this whole aspect of, of, uh, Kirika understanding, look, this team isn't just going to keep going on. We have to keep sustaining this, especially because they set up at the beginning of the episode with those first years who want to quick, who want to kind of take it easy during their practice, and they but they see how hard everybody else is working. Like, I, I do appreciate that the series, you know, understands that, these clubs don't just keep sustaining themselves just by sheer force of will.
0: Right. Yeah. I just wish they hadn't had to do that in a bath, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, yeah. The, I mean, that was fine that they brought up some characterization for these, I think, nameless. And if they did name these first years, their names were unimportant. Right. Um, but it felt like trying to, you know, create a new thread at the last minute because um, these characters hadn't been established. You're trying to bring them up and make them relevant and make us care about them right. in episode 12 of 12. <laughs> uh, so that's never a great move in my book. I, I also kind of see it's... As you stated, I don't really have a
1: problem with that myself, because as you mentioned, they I don't even think they had names. I think the, the point was more in Kirika's favor, where they're just... Where they're just, this is trying to show, this is the fruit of their labor, rather than these being, like, new characters we're gonna have to start caring about if this show, you know, ever gets a second season. Yeah. Uh, that that was kind of the way I took it, especially because they have fairly... Because, let's face it, anybody in this series who ha- who's who has any sort of relevance or importance has a weird design quirk to them, mm-hmm. and these girls did not have that, so I think the series understood that they were largely not that important of characters.
0: Fair enough. Um, I saw I have a couple qualms to go over with this episode please by all means all right so number one as always is weird ogling about mune mune well yeah that's just par for the course at this point it is but i I, they they find new new ways to do it every time (laughs) that is true so at one point they're having a meal and uh mune mune says that she needs to eat a lot because she's a growing girl (sighs) and then they have a tight close-up on her boobs bouncing up and down as she walks and then all the other girls talk about how she could possibly be growing even more, <laughs> um, which was apparently necessary. Um, there's a lot of... And it, it seems like this show is intent on creating these pairings, you know, these Doki Doki pairings. Right. Um, so they have little asides for all three main pairings. So they have... The beginning with Hokuto and and Hanabi, where uh, Hanabi is like, "Oh, Hokuto, you're the most squeezable person on right. our team," and it's like, where did that come? Where, from? First of all, I thought that was Koyori, right? B- based
1: on your interactions with her, but
0: yeah. So just out of nowhere, you need to establish that you sure love hugging Hokuto. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that comment has an ulterior motive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, Mune Mune is um, depressed because is paying attention to other people other than her. Yeah, they justify it a little later when Kurika says why she's doing it. But right. also, you felt like they were trying to establish, oh, Mune Mune's feeling like, oh, I only want Kurika to pay attention to right. me. Uh, which is the cheapest tactic they could do. And then, of course, there's a lot of Agari and right. stuff. Um, like, Koyori jumping on Agari's shoulders to help her with her smash. Right. Which they never... Really established how that practice works. or what that was supposed to be, or how when they were sleeping next to each other, uh, they got up in the middle of the night and sat in bed and practiced <laughs> swinging their ping-pong paddles. Um, just quietly swinging their paddles next to each other. I don't know what, what that accomplished. Um... And then, of course, you know, the final match had to be Agari and Koyori making each other go doki-doki. Of course. Um, And, I don't know. The the one thing I did appreciate with that was that Koyori actually mentioned Agari's loop drive. Right. You know, and, (laughs) hey, you should utilize your loop drive to do this. Um, So that was nice that we acknowledged that. We
1: remember that she's actually supposed to be the driver of the East, I believe.
0: She's the driver of the North. Driver of the East is Karura. Oh, okay, mixed it up, my bad. Yeah, um, come on, <laughs> this is important <laughs> stuff. Uh, but so, I mean, it was less bad than some episodes, right? But yeah, it was it was kind of a blah ending for a show. It was a blah ending for a disappointing show. Yeah. So, um, um so how did Keijo end? <laughs> I don't, why don't you tell me? Okay,
1: so. Keijo begins with uh, Kaya, who is the alternate form of Maya, the, of the demon that is possessed inside of
0: her. <laughs> I am shaking my head. Yeah, that's why I'm cracking up. <laughs>
1: uh, for some reason, Kaya decides to take out Taie, Uh For reasons, Just I guess this is supposed to be establishing how powerful Kaya is. And uh, then basically, all the other girls get involved in this match because it's like, look, we wanted you to have this a one-on-one match with Maya, but this is she's clearly too much of a threat. And then we get what is maybe the most amazing imagery I have ever seen in this series, where Rinrin uh, goes up, assaults Kaya, and then Kaya grabs her butt with her boobs, lifts her up in the air, and continues crushing her butt while she screams in agony. Like, this is not... Like, when I say screams in agony, I mean, you can hear the pain in this girl's voice. Like, this is clearly not a sexual thing, but the image of her just holding her up in the air. It's like... Keijo is really weird and gross at times, I almost feel like the series is justified for that image alone. Anyway, sorry, I'm going to continue now. Anyway, uh, Kaya then uses something called the Nipple Ripple Madness, which sends out a some sort of energy wave of some kind and makes Nozomi really loopy. Uh, uh... And then... uh, She she has problems standing up. And meanwhile... Because Rinrin is not out after this... Because she manages to throw her away... With the boobs. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And... So Rinrin continues... Like jumps back up... And tries to... Assault... Kaya right now in her... Sort of mad... In her... Sort of her... Chaos. While Hanabi... Off to the side... Pulls Nozomi away... Um and injects her nipples into Nozomi using uh raku pressure to give Nozomi and ama- give Nozomi a power up because apparently she can bring out Nozomi's full potential with this sort of technique. Anyway, so after this, uh, Hanabi, uh, Hanabi, and uh, Rinrin are taken out, and now it's, uh it is, uh, Kaya versus Nozomi, and Nozomi actually gets, like, an energy burst after this, and after the dust clears, we get, like, a new form of her. I think the idea was supposed to be something like, uh, like, when Naruto goes into, like, sage mode, or when, uh, Ichigo unlocks his Bankai, and, like, they get this new design. Uh, so does Nozomi with her hair down, and the ribbon that normally ties her hair is around her neck like a scarf now, as supposed to be this sort of transformation character. And she manages to uh, fight uh, Kaya as equals. And she's yelling at her to basically bring out back Maya so that they can have their final duel. And uh, apparently this finally reaches Maya and Maya brings herself back out of Kaya. And then they have a clash of heaven and hell versus the vacuum butt cannon in one final match. And it meant... What happens here is that when she uses the vacuum butt cannon, uh, Maya is able to actually deflect it away, uh, but she evolves the vacuum butt cannon in the middle of the match. As you do. As you do. And as she's blown away, she manages to contort her body, twist her body, and transfer that energy into her boobs. Uh, Similar to the, uh, I think, Kenshin's uh, Hiten Mitsurugi style with his ultimate technique when he's blown away... And then comes back for the final blow.
0: Right.
1: I, I think that was the imagery that they were, uh...
0: Working on. Yeah,
1: that they were working on. And she manages to smash her with her boobs and knock Maya out of the ring. And that's the end of the match. Then at the very end of the episode, we have this whole ball situation. Uh, like, there's kind of a post-battle, like... Oh, that kind of ball. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> uh... Anyway, Maya learns that uh, she is still accepted by her instructor uh, because, well, that was her big concern. I saw you make that kind of uh, mo- uh, motion, and but yeah, she was worried about she was going to be accepted by the rest of her peers, and everybody still loves her, of course. Of course, uh, at this ball. They, everybody is kind of interacting as friends now. Nobody seems to really hate each other, even though... Um, they just
0: tried to kill each other. Yeah, they just
1: tried to kill each other. Well, my issue is that before the match, they all completely and utterly hated each other. Then after the match, it's like, oh, we're all friends now. And Uju- Ujibe is like, oh, good. I'm glad that they took my uh, only on the land uh, comments to heart. Basically, this whole, like, you only hate each other on the land. Right. But, you know, you, you leave your... You leave your beefs on the field, right. essentially. But, again, I don't think that they ever really discussed that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's the it's the end of the year now. Uh, everybody is now parting ways. Uh, be- because everybody is a gr- has graduated from Satoshi. And uh, Miata and Nozomi, however, are transferred to a new division... Not Satoshi, but now, because now they are professional, they they can be professional Keijo players, and they happen to be part of, the, uh, transferred into the same division, and we get kind of a setup for season two with seeing all these new players that they're going to be interacting with. Okay. Yeah, so... This will probably get a sequel. Yeah, oh, yeah, there is no way it will not. With how enormously popular it has been, I would be shocked, though, I... My understanding is that in Japan it may actually not be that popular, but we'll maybe talk about this a little bit more in the review. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, I, but yeah, it's been enormously popular in the U.S. I'm not sure about Japan, but anyways, th- speaking of things that may or may not be enormously popular, do you want to move on to Long Riders?
0: Well, I just had one quick question. Oh, about, by hey, Joe. Um, did you say that a character performed acupuncture with her nipple? Yes, that. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes, I did.
0: And that, um, so and that's what unlocked Nozomi's secret power. Yes.
1: Okay. So I have an issue with that, and my issue is that this was never established as a thing okay. within the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very silly. Like, yeah. oh, ha ha, rack you puncher. like Like, right. silly pun. No, but you know, in a lot of sports series, a lot of the parody should come from the fact this is a parody of sports series. Yeah. As we are kind of led to believe. Um. They. With a lot of these weird techniques, there's more of a setup. There's more of a build-up to when it's finally when it's finally used. It's not used.
0: completely out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. But in here, it's just like all of a sudden, it's like Hanabi starts r- like like perking up her nipples, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna inject you with Raku pressure now. And it's like, wait, excuse me.
0: Is this something you could do the whole time? It's like,
1: is this something you can always do? Why have you not been doing this all the time? Well, I guess because you know it's always been one on one matches, and now we're this is the first time you've ever seen them on a team.
0: But... That feels like an excuse. Yeah, no, <laughs> it
1: absolutely is. Again, Racky Punisher is a pretty excellent pod, which is one of the best things about the show. Yeah. But, yeah, it just sort of
0: happens. It is also creative translation, because obviously, you know... Yeah. The, the English side had to had to come up with all these stupid puns. Right.
1: So, uh, some of these I know that they're using from the fan translations, which a friend of mine actually helped with the original uh, English translations of the series, uh, I know vacuum buck cannon is actually a leftover from that as well. That was something that they had come up with, yeah. uh, but that the uh, the English one. But some of these I know that they, they also came up with themselves. The trans the, the new translators did. Yeah. Okay, so oh, on that happy note, uh, you want to go on to
0: Long Riders? Yeah. So as Long Riders episode ten, um, unfortunately, it is not the final episode of Long Riders. <laughs> uh, this show. It, had, it skipped two weeks during its run because of production issues. Um, and so the the Japanese broadcaster didn't have any time to air it until February. So they're going to still have two more episodes that they're going to air in February. And so we'll have to wait till then to finish this, this work of art. Right. Um, but anyway, so this... Episode ten finished the uh, Azumi Autumn Ride, and so at the end of the last episode, they were told that they uh, that Team Fortuna was running the risk of not finishing the race in time because they were in last place. Uh, but then everyone says, "Don't worry, it'll be easy to catch up." Um, I don't know why it's easy now, but um, <laughs> and they'll just sprint as much as they can and alternate who's in front to create a windbreak which is something they talk a lot about in Yawapeta. Right. But in this show, because they have no interest in cycling, uh, Amy is shocked and confused by the <laughs> idea of it being easier to ride when someone's in front of you. I mean, you'd, she's been riding for months. You'd think she just physically would have noticed.
1: I am going to just say real quick... I mean, they don't really cycle for, like, the sport of it. They cycle for the fun of it. So, I can't, imma- and I can't imagine that there's ever been a situation if they're just cycling for fun
0: where this would ever show up. I, it still feels strange that she is shocked and confused by the idea. Well, fair uh, enough. <laughs> um, but anyway, she uh, they, they get to a portion where they have to bike uphill, and uh, it looks like there's going to be a thunderstorm, and Amy's like, I can't do this. But then she does, and there is no thunderstorm. (laughs) Um, And they approach the finish line, and they only have a few minutes left. Uh, And Amy decides she's going to push to the finish, and she gets across the finish line. And then she looks down at her clock. And so the race is supposed to end at 5 p.m. She looks at her clock. It says it's 5.05. And she starts crying because she realizes that she didn't finish in time, and it's all her fault. But then uh, her teammates come over and say, oh, no, your clock is off. (laughs) And it's actually uh, 4.59. And then they're happy. Um, They they get a little medal, and Amy talks about how much she loves her team. And then falls asleep at dinner. And it cuts ahead to uh, the near future, where uh, Amy is talking to her sister, Emmy, help, helpfully named. Right. Um, and uh, Emmy needs some help fixing a tire on her bike, and they talk about bikes and how great bikes are. Of and that, course. That ends the episode. <laughs> oh, there's a lot I want to discuss here, actually. Okay, we'll just dive right in then.
1: Okay, one thing I will say, you were kind of complaining about this a little bit before we started. I didn't mind so much, though you did make a good point about it. Uh, I don't mind the conversation that Amy and, uh, Hinako had about, because uh, Amy has this moment when they're writing about how she wants them to go on without them, yeah. without her, and they're all like, no, we're doing this for fun, like, you yeah. know, we, this doesn't mean anything if we're not as a team. Now, as you mentioned before we started, yeah, before this, they were like, ah, th- when they started this Azumi ride... Uh, they basically left her behind like, oh, you guys can just catch up. That's fine. We'll, we'll do that later. Yeah. Um. And now all of a sudden they're like, no, we can't split up. Yeah. So that's a fair point. At the same time, I didn't mind it because it's, re- it's like, look, we joined this to have fun together as a team. We're going to get through this as a team. So I didn't mind that so much. What's really funny to me, though, is that they have this whole drama about the fact that they could have finished late and then they resolve it. Oh no, we weren't late, <laughs> and I think they needed to fill out the episode because they didn't have anything else to do.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty glorious. Um, where you know because they were they were approaching the finish line, right? And they could physically see it. And Amy's like, "Oh no, are we gonna make it?" And um, Hinako's like, "Don't worry, we still have three minutes before five o'clock." And then they cross the finish line and amy looks at her clock and it says it's 5 5 after 5 so in her mind she really thinks it, like cuz they went about two or three blocks right she thinks that took them 8 minutes <laughs> Like, uh, like she is somehow convinced, and they resolve it by saying, like, oh, your clock must have been wrong.
1: Why bring it up in the first place? Unless you didn't have, unless you just needed to fill out the episode. Yeah. And so here's the funny thing, too. I think that they could have actually done something interesting with that, where Amy cries about the fact that it's like, we didn't actually make it on time. And they're like, look, we were off by a couple of minutes, but... Why are you this concerned about it? Our entire point was to ride together and have fun. Like, you could have done something like that's been the whole point of the show, and I feel like they could have done something interesting by bringing it home and being like, look, the fact that whether or not we made like an official uh, finish is unimportant. Like, yeah, we were off by maybe just a couple of minutes, but who cares? Yeah, exactly. But no, they have to bring it back around and they're like, no, your, your, your clock's just fast.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, they, this was a deeply uninteresting episode, <laughs> as per usual. It was, it was not specifically offensive, as it has been. Right. At some points, um, and it was not egregiously bad. The animation was as bad as it's ever been. Right. Um, and them trying to set up, like, Emmy becoming a new main. Right. And becoming, uh, interested in bikes. I-
1: I, I just want to point out real quick. I love that the fact that these characters that are try that they're trying to show up, or like they're gonna maybe try and reintroduce into the series, all have very similar names to the other girls, so that they can serve as replacements. Because we, we mentioned this before with uh, Sayaki. I mean, so that means if Sa- uh, Saki leaves, they can replace her with Sayaki.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, Amy has her sister Amy. Emmy. Um, and also Yayoi and Aoi. Oh, I, yeah!
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's literally Hanako is the only one that doesn't have uh, a parallel named character uh, in this show. And I don't know what that accomplishes, but <laughs> th- it's there. Uh,
1: um, I just want to briefly touch upon the the uh, the interview that they have with that TV station at the end. Sure. I love the way that the this TV station introduces is like now we're speaking with the people who scored last. <laughs> yeah. Why are you interviewing
0: them? Who cares? Well, I think the idea was that they allowed every team to get up on the stage. okay, um, to get some recognition, and they just literally were last. Right to, to get it. So as they came in or whatever, they would allow them to come up.
1: I guess that's fair, and, um, but it was funny, <laughs> just the way that they had just like. And now, very important interview here. We would like to discuss, discuss this race with the people who barely finished.
0: Yeah, I also like the way that they introduced them. Of here's five girls in matching shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I guess they're they're going all together. Yeah, exactly. The the fact that doing this race as a team with team shirts was too foreign a concept for them to announce. Like, hey, why are you all wearing the same shirt and cycling together? That's interesting. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, it was funny, but clearly uninspired okay there is before we end this i have one other thing to bring
1: up and i know we're never going to be able to discuss this ever again so i have to do it now okay at the very end of the episode when uh amy is helping emmy uh clean up her bike or fix her uh bike tire there's a spot that gets on her face and it is never consistent there are times like literally it disappears at random times other times it is drawn completely differently Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like there's one time where it looks more like scratches on her face like as the episode is ending yeah. it's a circle guys <laughs> I understand that you don't have time this is a very cheaply produced show you may not have time to go back and correct things there's one point where literally as she's talking like you see the spot there and then it disappears and then it reappears again
0: i didn't know. i noticed it changing i didn't notice it disappear that is hilarious (laughs) um yeah the the character designs are really noticeably all over the place in this episode um it was it it was exactly what we've come to expect yeah um all right well i appreciated doing this this episode live with you matt oh yeah it was a lot of fun yeah this is uh hopefully we'll be able to do this again someday um (laughs) And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you. And uh, if you do me a favor and hit the credits. Sure thing. Oh, Happy Hanukkah as well. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshien on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshyencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.